All right, we'll get started here um, in our time in God's Word this morning. I just want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 12 to 27 uh, this morning together with our time together. Um, and as you're turning there, let me pray for uh, this time in God's Word. Father, we thank you so much for just the privilege and the blessing that it's been to gather together as your people. We thank you that you are our God. Um, you're worthy of all praise and honor and glory, and we just want to commit this time into your hands, asking that you would be exalted in all of our hearts, Lord, as we hear what you would have to say to us through your word. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the power of your word, the power of the gospel that is working in us through the power of your spirit. We pray that it would have its work in us to change us so that we'd become more like Jesus Christ. We thank you that we're part of his body. We pray that you would make that reality, that truth, precious to us this morning as we look at this passage together. We pray for all of this and that you'd be glorified. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. And if you want to give a title to the message this morning, it's You Are the Body of Christ. You. You guys are the body of Christ. Cornerstone is the body of Christ. And I want to begin by way of discussing or looking at the human body. The human body is indeed a marvelous object of creation. For those of us who have a biblical worldview, um, we know that Genesis in the creation of man, God in creating man and his body, creates the pinnacle of creation. It's at the moment that God creates man in the image of God, both body and spirit, that we see creation at its high point. And so, it's no doubt, uh, I mean, it's no wonder that throughout history, the human body has been admired, it's been studied, it's been painted, photographed, written about, songs have been written about the body, and even, unfortunately, it has been the object of worship. Um, indeed, when we examine the human body, we truly discover how fascinating it is. Here's just some, some facts about the human body. For those of you who don't, aren't in medical school or don't know much about it, uh, there are more than 600 individual skeletal muscles in the human body and 213 bones. You may have known that, but did you know the average human head has about 100,000 hairs on it? Now, that's average. Some of us are above average, and many of us here are below that average. Uh, there are about 9,000 taste buds on the surface of the tongue, in the throat, and on the roof of the mouth. An adult human body contains approximately 100 trillion cells. That's a one with 14 zeros after it. The circulatory system, including arteries, veins, capillaries, if it were to be extended out, st uh, strung out, would be 60,000 miles long. The heart beats more than 2.5 billion times in an average lifetime. Six billion steps of DNA are contained in a single cell. This DNA can be stretched to six feet, but it, if it, it, sorry, but if it coil, is coiled up, and it is coiled up in the cell's nucleus, it can measure only one twenty-five hundredth of an inch in diameter. Human bone is as strong as granite in supporting weight. A block of bone the size of a matchbook can support nine tons. That's four times more than concrete. A single human blood cell takes only 60 seconds to make a complete circuit through the body. The acid in your stomach 
is strong enough to dissolve razor blades. Scientists have counted over 500 different liver functions. And here's the last two. It takes 17 muscles to smile, but 43 to frown. And you use 200 muscles just to take one step. That is fascinating. God has created something fascinating in, in, in the human body. But there is something that we're going to look at this morning that is even more fascinating, more amazing, more glorious, more significant, and that is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, the church, cornerstone. See, God is creating a body. He's creating a body of redeemed people for His glory. And what He's creating is amazing. Here Paul in our passage is using the metaphor of the human body to teach the Corinthians and us as well this morning about the priority of the body of Christ and our role in it. See, the Corinthians had failed to grasp the way that the body ought to, ought to function, work. They did not realize that central to the body of Christ, central to any body, yours and mine, is this idea of unity and diversity. We are one body, unity made up of many members, many organs, many parts, and thus diversity, very different members. And rather than experiencing the unity of the body in the Corinthian church, these brothers and sisters were, were threatening that very unity through division, through being separated or torn apart as the very body of Christ. And even here in the context in, in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, the unity of the body of Christ is being threatened. You see, those in the, in, the, in the Corinthian church were exalting the more spectacular gifts, particularly tongues and even prophecy. And so certain members of the body were seen as more important and others were seen as insignificant. Instead of celebrating and affirming the diversity of the body of Christ, the Corinthians were advocating for uniformity. Instead of seeing that there were many members gifted by the Spirit in many different ways, they were exalting only one type of member, as significant and thus a real part of the body. And this misunderstanding of both the unity and the diversity of the body of Christ leads to a horrible mistake that all of us can be guilty of. And that's that we begin to minimize the centrality and the priority of the body. Instead of focusing on the body, the community, cornerstone, we can begin to focus on ourselves as the individual. We need to be taught this morning and reminded some of us reminded of this picture of the body of Christ so that we will see how central, how central it ought to be to our lives and that we will also faithfully live out our God-given role, our spirit-empowered role in that body. And central to this idea of the body of Christ is this idea of community. At Cornerstone, we want to grow in two things. We want to grow in the gospel and we want to grow in community. And we've done that. We, we've, we've, we've seen the God work in this congregation in both of those areas to grow us. But we would, both, all of us would say that we want to continue to go deeper into the gospel. And we want to continue to go deeper into community. You see, community is key to the gospel. And the gospel is key to community. The gospel is the very context. I'm sorry, the content on which we feast and live and grow. It is what we consume. It is what we are about. It is what has transformed us and grows us. So we're, we're all about the gospel. 
but we're also about the community because that's the context in which the content of the gospel is lived out and gospel realities, gospel blessings, gospel growth takes place and is experienced. You can't have community without the gospel and you can't have the gospel without community. Community, cornerstone, what God is doing here with you and I is vital. Is vital. And we want to go deeper into community. We want to live out all that God has intended for us. But we can't go deeper into community unless we realize, and unless we really believe, all of us, every one of us, that community is central to who we are as a body. And unless all of us are living out our role inside of that community, inside of the body of Christ. And so, this morning, I want to focus on five truths in this passage, verses 12 to 27. Five truths about the body of Christ that will help you, that will help me to see the centrality of the local church and our role in it. We begin with truth number one in verse 12. Truth number one, the body is rooted in Christ. The body is rooted in Christ. Notice verse 12, for just as the body is one, And has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Let me read that again. For just as a body is one, and has many members, unity and diversity, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Here Paul is employing a figure of speech called metonymy, where he's where one thing or or concept, in this case the body of Christ, the church, cornerstone, is not called by its own name, but by the name of something intimately associated with it, in this case Christ. You see, what we would expect Paul to say is, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with the church, or so it is with the body of Christ. But Paul doesn't say that. He says, so it is with Christ. And in saying that, Paul is making a profound statement that he wants us to understand. He is saying that Christ and his body are inseparable. They are inseparable. John MacArthur says, We can no more separate Christ from his church than we can separate a body from its head. And the implication The fact that the body is rooted in Christ means that the way that we regard Christ is the way that we must regard His body. If Christ is everything to us, then His body must be just as important. And understand what Paul is meaning here when he's talking about so it is with Christ or so it is with the body of Christ, so it is with the church. He's not just talking about the universal church. He's talking about the local church where the the universal church is manifested in local congregations and local communities and local gatherings of people who have been brought into Christ's body, who are a part of that body. love what um, Tim Chester and Steve Timmis in the book Total Church say. They say, to be a Christian is by definition to be part of the community of God's people. To be united with Christ is to be a part of his body. The assumption of the New Testament is that this always finds expression in commitment to a local church. The centrality of church means the centrality of the congregation or it means nothing. Commitment to the church is easy while the church is an abstract universal reality. But the New Testament assumes commitment to real people in real local churches with all their faults and foibles. 
When the body is rooted in Christ, that means that the way that we regard Christ is the way that we must regard his body. It means that the way we regard Christ is the way we must regard his church. It means the way that we regard Christ is the way we must regard Cornerstone. That's what Paul's saying to these Corinthians and to us this morning. We need to see Christ and his body, his body, his community, the same way that we regard Christ together, as inseparable, as just as significant. And we see this not only in the way that Paul says, so it is with Christ, in the, in the way that he writes that and describes that, but we also see that in the fact about whose body we're talking about here. In, in, in whose body is being described here. It's Christ's body. This is all about Christ. It's his purpose, his plan, his design, his sovereignty. Cornerstone is all about what Jesus is doing. He died for the church. Acts twenty twenty eight says, The church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Christ died for the church. Christ is building his church. In first, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, 18, it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, the local church, guys, is where it's at. This is Christ's body. This is what Christ is doing. This is, this is inseparable from Christ. It's not about parachurch organizations, Christian schools, mission agencies, conferences, Christian clubs, associations. Those things are great. And if you're involved in them, that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're involved in those things, and, or those things are central to your life, and the church is something over here, we've got it all wrong. Because the way that we regard Christ is the way that we must regard his body. Not only that, but the way that we treat the body is the way that we treat Christ. The way that we treat the body is the way that we treat Christ. If you hate the church, you hate Christ. If you ignore the church, you ignore Christ. If you neglect the church, you neglect Christ. If you minimize the church, you minimize Christ. Jesus made this very clear in that the way that you treat the body is the way that you treat him in Matthew 25. He says, here's Jesus coming back in the second coming with all of his glory, and he divides the sheep from the goats and he puts the sheep on his right and he says, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See, the way that we treat the body, the way that we treat one another is the way that we treat Christ. I think often the way that we imagine the church or that we imagine our lives is we put Christ at the center where he should be. But it's just us there with Christ in the center. And then all these other things are on the periphery, work and career and all these other things, including church. It's just another box. It's just another compartment of life. And if we get to it in the week, great. And if we don't, too bad. What Paul is teaching here in this concept of the body is Christ is the blazing hot center, to be the blazing hot center of our lives, and his body, that which is inseparable, is to also be at the center of all that we do and are. 
And you can include your family inside of that. This is to be what we're about. And all the other things are on the periphery. We do them in community together. I like what Piper asks. He puts it in the form of a question. John Piper says, Do you show by your firm attachment to Christ's body that you are attached to Christ? Do you show by your firm attachment to Christ's body that you are attached to Christ? The body is rooted in Christ. And that means that the local church, our gospel community, Cornerstone, is to be central in our lives, just like Christ is. And it also means that we've been made a part of something amazing. We've been brought into this community. In fact, the next verse tells us how God accomplished that. And that brings us to a second truth. And that is truth number two, that the body is rooted in the gospel. The body is rooted in Christ. The body is also rooted in the gospel. We see this in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. If you, under your notes and the first point, if you want to write something, write priority. Because it's in that point that we see that, that the priority, the centrality, the inseparable nature of Christ and his church. Here, if you want to write a note or a thought, identity and community. And that's what Paul's getting into. The gospel, the body is rooted in the gospel and the gospel is all about community. You can't have the gospel without community. You can't have community without the gospel. The gospel is all about God inviting you and I into community, into the triune communal God. So here's God who's been in community forever, for eternity past, and he says, I'm bringing you into community with me who is a community. I've had community. I've been experiencing community forever. And I'm bringing you into that community with me. But not only that, the gospel is all about God bringing us into community with others who together are his people. So that we're in community with God, we're in community with one another. So the gospel is all about community, but the the gospel is also all about the way we come into Christ's community, into his body. Notice the verse, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. It was through the work of the spirit, through regeneration, through being born of the spirit, as as Jesus taught in John 3, that we are brought into the body. It's, It's through the spirit working through the word, it's the power of the gospel that brings us into community, into, into being immersed into Christ's body. So the gospel is all about community. The gospel is the way we come into this community. But not only that, the gospel is the basis of our new community and thus our new identity. We all come from diverse backgrounds and Paul here in the verse employs the common ones that he employs elsewhere, religion, ethnicity, and socioeconomics. He says Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And here at Cornerstone, we represent different pasts, backgrounds, races, languages, nationalities, education, skills, all of that. We're, we're a diverse group of people. But the amazing thing about the gospel is that we were baptized by this spirit into something new, something far greater than anything that we were previously associated with or that previously defined us. You see, being baptized into the body of Christ means not only becoming part of a new community of people and coming into community with God himself, but it means taking on a new identity. Again, I love what um, Timus and Chester write in Total Church. They say, baptism 
is an act of initiation, a way in. It is a dramatic act that tells a story. It speaks about dying to an old way of life, an old set of values, an old community, and a former identity. It also speaks about rising to a new way of life, a new set of values, a dynamic new community, and a revolutionary identity. Baptism is a communal act, not a solitary affair. It is how we experience the corporate shared life of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We become disciples by becoming part of the people of God. See, our identity is now rooted in Christ and His body. So the gospel is all about community. The gospel is the way that we come into that community. The gospel is the basis of our new community and our new identity. But not only that, but this gospel identity and community that we've been given, that we find that we find as we enter into a relationship with Christ and enter into his body, that's what we're calling other people to come into. You see, so often we present the gospel in terms of how it can help someone in their community, the, the kingdom that they're building, and how it can serve some purpose in the identity that they find in themselves in whatever they, they do or whoever they are over there. But what the gospel really is, is an invitation to leave that and to become part of something so much bigger, so much better than you could ever be or build yourself. It's to come into relationship with God and to come into relationship with his body, the body of Christ. Where committed members, gifted and indwelt with the Holy Spirit, live as a picture of Christ by the power of the gospel for the glory of God. This is what we're calling the world to come into. We're to live as this new community. We're to make the church, we're to make Cornerstone such a central part of our lives and be living in the good of this community in such a rich way that other people will say, I want to be in there. I want to leave whatever I had. That was nothing compared to what you guys have. This is what Christ is doing in his body. And we do this by living in that identity, in that community, calling others to come into it as well. The body is rooted in the gospel. Not only that, but third point, truth number three, the body is rooted in people. The body is rooted in people. The body is rooted in Christ, so Christ and his body are inseparable, and both are to be central in our lives. The body is rooted in the gospel. Through the gospel, um, we find our new identity and our new community. Not only that, but the body is rooted in people. Notice verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. See, the Corinthians were exalting, again, only a certain kind of giftedness. And thus only a certain type of person or certain individuals there in the congregation in Corinth. And as a result... They were beginning to do something dangerous. They were beginning to exalt the individual as more important than the body. The individual, each one of them, as more important than the whole, the community. And Paul, again, alludes to the picture of the gospel. Though there is one body, there is not simply one member. That's what Paul's point is. There is one body, but there is not just one member or one type of member or only select individuals. What Paul means here when when we're talking about the body being rooted in people is that the body is about a community of people and not about individualism or simply the individual. And we see this in two ways. Number one, in the giving of the Spirit. In verse 7, if you go back up to verse 7, 
Paul says, to each one is given the manifestation for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit. We saw that in verse 13. Where he says, we've all been made to drink of the Spirit. The Spirit has come and indwelt us. We are in the Spirit. And because of that, the Spirit has manifested Himself in each one of us in a very unique way. In a, in, with a, with a, gift, a gift set that's unique to us. We may all have some of the similar gifts, but the measure but, and, and the... the, the um, the way in which we exercise those gifts is unique due to the Spirit. He's working in each one of us. But notice what Paul says. Each one was given that manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, the Corinthians had begun to regard the outpouring of the Spirit both in terms of their salvation and even their giftedness only in terms of themselves as individuals and not for the greater purpose of the good of the body, the community. So we see it in that verse, but we also see it in the analogy of the body itself. None of us would say that one of our organs, or one part of our body is more important than us. No one would say, my pancreas is more important than me. Or my liver, my foot is more important than me. But often we think that way. In our Western culture, we're, we're, very, we're, 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 uh, we're taught about this, just this individuality. Where the individual is seen as way more important than any community. Paul's, Paul's point here is that the body is rooted in people and what he, what he means by that is it's in rooted in people and not in the individual or the indiv- in, in, in this idea of individualism. The body is greater than any one member. And not only that, but the fact that the body is rooted in people means that the body is about people as opposed to other things. Notice the verse, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. But what are we talking about when we look at the body of Christ? What do we see? We see people. The members, the parts that are part of Christ, that make up Christ's body, are people, precious people for whom Christ died. The nature of the body is about people. It's not about church buildings. It's not about finances. It's not about programs or events. Those things the church can use or employ, but that is not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is all about people. And if we here at Cornerstone get so busy doing church that we forget about people or relationships are minimized or set aside or we're so busy doing church that that we don't have time with one another, we're not living in community, caring for the needs of one another, then we're getting the whole thing turned upside down. Christ was all about people. Christ made time for people. Christ lost sleep for people. Christ was homeless for people. Christ oriented his life around meeting the needs of people, serving people, bringing the gospel to people. He he did his Father's will, much of which was about coming to save those who were lost. It was all about people. Christ was all about people. And in being all about Christ, we need to be all about people. As Christ's body, we need to see people as precious, both saved people and unsaved people. Saved people because they're fellow members of the body of Christ. I need to see you at Cornerstone as precious because you are part of Christ's body. Not only that, but unsaved people too because they're fellow human beings made in the image of God and those for whom we're praying, we're longing that God would also bring into his body. The fact that the body's rooted in people means that it's about people as opposed to other things. It means that we need to look at our lives and say, what is our life about Is it about the people of Cornerstone or is it about our career? Is it about money? Is it about our things? Whatever, our comfort, our freedom, whatever whatever it might be. I think all of us need to look and say, Lord, make my heart 
grow my heart. If it's already there, then grow it so that I will be all about your people and about people, longing for them to become your people. Paul is clear that the body is all about people. And in the body of Christ, every person is indispensable and vital to the community. Vital to the community. We'll see uh, a little bit more of this in the, the fourth truth. And that is that the body is rooted in a diverse community of vital members. The body is rooted in Christ. The body is rooted in the gospel. The body is rooted in people. The body is rooted in a diverse community of vital members. And we see this in verses 15 to 20. Notice the text with me in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, I love this, just like in Ephesians, we hear that, but God, here in this verse twice, we're going to hear this, but as it is, God, but God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts and yet one body. Again, the Corinthians in exalting the certain gifts, exalting tongues, they were exalting those who possessed those gifts, those who manifested those gifts, a certain type of person or specifically individuals in the church. To the degree that other Corinthians, without these exalted gifts, began to feel inferior, useless, and thus not a part of the body of Christ. And we see the problem summed up in, the, in that phrase, I do not belong to the body. And perhaps some of you here at Cornerstone have felt this way or even now are feeling this way. Because of the way God has made me or hasn't made me, I have no role to play here at Cornerstone. No role to play in this body of Christ. And perhaps you feel uninvolved or are uninvolved, feel passive or disconnected or discouraged, maybe even discontented because you see the way that God is manifesting through His Spirit, gifts in others. You're saying, I want, I want to be able to do that or I want to be able to minister in that way. You see, a person who feels this way often has a too low a view of themselves and too high a view of the other members. He has a too low view of himself and seeing, not seeing that the Spirit has been manifested in his life, has empowered him as an, or her to, to manifest certain gifts for the good of the body. And so they're minimizing that aspect of the spirit and themselves. And they're looking at other members of the body and exalting them too high, making too high of you, or looking at them in too high of a regard. The answer either way is that we need to see is a right view of Christ's body to see what's going on here in Christ's body. Notice what Paul says. He says, Paul argues that even if someone feels like they're not part of the body, that doesn't mean they're not part of it. If you are a believer and you are part of the body of Christ, you've been baptized into the body. And if you're a part of the body, then you have a vital role to play. The body of Christ, even Cornerstone here, is a diverse community of members united together in Christ. And in a a body, we need that diversity We need diversity. Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If our body were an eye or an ear, we would be a monstrosity. 
not a body. But notice what God has done here in verse 18. But God arranged. He set. He fixed. He established you and I according to his perfect, wise, and sovereign plan and design. God put you in this church at this time perfectly according to his plan. And he has a role for each one of you and for me to play inside of this body, inside of Cornerstone. God, who's all wise, all perfect, he's the one who set us here. He caused you to be born at the right time. Perhaps you married someone who relocated to Riverside. But you're here because God has perfectly positioned you in this local body to play a vital part. And each one of us needs to play that part. We need to be encouraged with the fact that we have been given the Spirit and He's been manifest in us for that very purpose, for the purpose of the common good of Cornerstone, that we have a part to play. I think some of us might be guilty of, of this view that I do not belong to the body. I think perhaps some of it is to blame with this, this distinction that we make sometimes between clergy and laity. The body of Christ is not limited to pastors and elders or some class of mature, super gifted members. Paul's analogy of the body simply points to members. That's what makes up the body, members. And a member differs only in giftedness and in function, not in position. We are all members of the body of Christ. Again, I love what... um, Chester and Timothy say, the only demarcation among the people of God is that of function, not position. If my role is that of a leader in the local church, then I am a gospel minister using my gift to serve God's people. But whatever my role, I'm still a gospel minister using my gift to serve God's people. A leader is not a special case. He is a servant of the gospel among gospel servants. He is a brother among his brothers and sisters. That's the way we need to see this body not in terms of class, not in terms of position, but just in a diversity of function and of giftedness. All of us have been given different gifts. Some of us may even have the same gifts, but been given them in different measure. Some of us are early in our Christian walk so that these gifts are beginning to be cultivated and are growing. But be encouraged because God, the Spirit in you, is working so as to cultivate them, so as to grow them. But understand this, that you are a vital part of this body and that you without you without you something is going to be lacking here at cornerstone just like if i lose a foot or an arm you have a vital part to play there are no appendixes in the body of christ you have a part to play not only do you have a vital part to play but this brings us to the last point others have a vital part to play in your life Not only do you have a vital part to play in the lives of others, but others have a vital part to play in your life. And we see this in the last section of this passage. It leads us to our fifth truth. The body is rooted in interdependent community, in an interdependent community of caring members. The body is rooted in Christ. The body is rooted in the gospel. The body is rooted in people. The body is rooted in a diverse community of vital members. The body is lastly rooted in an interdependent community of caring members. We see this in verses 21 to 26. Notice the passage with me. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God, here it is, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, the body is rooted in interdependent community and an interdependent community of caring members. Again, because the Corinthians were exalting certain gifts, certain type of members, certain specific individuals in the congregation, there were certain Corinthians with these more spectacular gifts that began to exalt themselves and see themselves as superior and self-sufficient. And they, become, they became self-focused, self-centered, and independent. We see the problem summed up in that word, I have no need of you. I have no need of you. Because of the way that God has made me, I don't need the body of Christ. We don't have to have amazing gifts to think this way. There can be some of us here with this kind of mindset that we just don't need the church. It can be just me and Jesus. We can go off into the forest and I can have my Bible with me. We can just be great and we can just be fine. And I don't need these other people. And again, what we're demonstrating here is unlike the other case where this, the person had too low a view of their own themselves and what the Spirit has done in them and too high a view of the other members, here this person has too high a view of themselves and too low a view, too low a view of the other members of the body of Christ. And Paul argues that even if someone feels like they don't need other people in the body, that does not mean that those other members are unnecessary. In fact, notice what he says in verse 22. Notice what he says in verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem... Paul isn't saying they're weaker. If you think they're weaker, he says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they are indispensable. And that Greek word means they are necessary. They are that which we cannot live without. If you think that you don't need anybody else or because of the way God has enabled you or because of the way you view Christ and your relationship with Him, that you do not need other people in this body, then you are sorely mistaken. We need to see each one of us as totally indispensable, totally necessary. Those whom we cannot live without. Paul says, look, even the way you deal with your own body demonstrates this. He says in verse 23, on, the, on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. The way that we regard those parts of our body that aren't seen as much, like internal organs and stuff, we, we still give them greater honor. We, we know that we can't live without our heart, our lungs, our stomach. He says, and even those parts that shouldn't be displayed, you, you, you clothe them. You clothe them and thus honor them, make them presentable and beautiful. The point is that we, we know the way that we treat every part of our body, we are saying every part of our body is important to us. And that's true. Nobody wants to lose any part of their body. So Paul says, look, even the way you treat your own body demonstrates the fact that every part of the body of Christ is significant. But more than that, notice what Paul says. He argues from what God has done. But God has so composed the body. 
That word means he has mixed together, he has united. What God is doing is he's bringing people together. He's doing something. This is his purpose. This is his plan. That he would bring people into a body, into an interconnected, interdependent community where we need each other. So that, notice what Paul says in verse 24. Or, I'm sorry, uh, 25, that there may be no division in the body. What God's done is He's brought various diverse people into the body and He's giving greater honor to those that we think might lack it so that He's saying all of these, all of these members of my body, everyone here at Cornerstone is significant and important in what I'm doing in this community. And he's saying, I'm composing you guys together. I'm bringing you guys together. I want you to be interconnected and interdependent with one another so that there would be no division among you here at Cornerstone. And what he means by that, it's the Greek words where we get schism. He doesn't want any tear, any division, any separateness. He doesn't want us living on our own apart from one another. What, Christ is, what God is doing in bringing us together into the body of Christ is saying, I don't want divisions. I want you guys to be so connected that the result is, but that the members might have the same care for one another. I want you guys, the result of this interconnectedness, the result of this community, I want it to be that you are living lives of loving, caring, deep relationships with one another. That's what I want. That's what God is doing. He's made us interdependent. God is the only one who is independent. We are interdependent. And and that that word is important because independent means I don't need anybody else. Dependent means I might need you, but you might not need me. Interdependent means I need you and you need me. And that's what Christ is pointing out. He's saying the members of my body need each other. You need others in your life and they need you in their life. And the result is to be that we would be living so close that our lives would overlap so much that we would be in such tight community with one another that we would be able to care for one another. Notice the result in verse 26, that if one of us is suffering, that all of us are suffering together. And that if one member is honored, all rejoice. Not not if one member is exalted in the body, that the other ones are jealous. No. That if one is exalted or honored, But the other ones are, yes, they're rejoicing with that member. Because we are one. We are united under Christ as his body. You were never designed to be alone. I think many of us think we were saved onto these deserted islands. We weren't saved onto an island. This passage tells us we were saved into a body. You're not a single-celled organism. Neither can you function disconnected from others in this body. You need the other people in this body to help you grow, to see the areas in your life that you're blind to, to minister to you when you're down, to encourage you when you need it, to to call you back to the truth when you're straying from it. We need each other. And the way that the Spirit has manifested Himself in each one of us means that the way that we've been gifted, the way that we've been enabled, our strengths, we need those things. I'm not strong in everything. I, I need you. I don't have all the gifts. I need you. I'm blind to areas of my, my life. I need you. And it's the same for each one of us. As a member of the body, you must see your need for the other members. We need each other. So the body is rooted in interdependent community, in that community of caring members. 
Well, Paul concludes the whole passage in, in this beautiful final verse in verse 27. He says, now, Corinthians, cornerstone, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. For anybody who would think he's still talking about the universal church, Paul says, no. You are the body of Christ. And each of you, individually, you are a member of that body. I love how he says it because in the Greek, actually, there's no article. So what Paul, he's not, you know, we could translate it, you are body. And that's what really Paul is saying. He's saying, you, cornerstone, you are body of Christ. That doesn't mean we aren't the body. But what Paul is emphasizing, what he's saying by putting it together that way, by saying you are body. He's saying you by very quality and very nature are body. You are community. You are my people. And and so we need to see cornerstone that way. Cornerstone is to be rooted in Christ. Cornerstone is to be rooted in the gospel. Cornerstone is to be rooted in people. Cornerstone is to be rooted in a diverse community of vital members. And cornerstone is to be rooted in an interdependent community of caring members. We need to see cornerstone as central to all that we are and do the way that we regard Christ is the way that we need to regard this church. We need to realize that God has amazingly, through His Spirit, He's given each one of us a very key and important part to play. A part that if we don't play, the body suffers, the body lacks. But God has so put us together, He's so knit us together, so united us here, now, at this time, in this church, in this town, in 2012, so that we together would function as his body, put him on display and glorify him, loving one another in deep relationships and community together. I think we have grown in this, just like we've grown in the gospel, but I think all of us would say we want to grow, we want to go deeper into this kind of community. And so let's pray that God would take us there. Let's pray that God would take us where we cannot go by ourselves. But praise God that we have Christ. He is the head. He is the head of this body. Praise God for the power of the gospel. Praise God for the work of the Spirit in each one of us who know Him. Praise God for this community. Praise God for what He has done in bringing us together. That's what we long for. I pray that that would be what all of us would long for. Whatever we need to do in this life, whatever we need to change in the way we do life, whatever we need to change in the way we do church, let's pray that God would show us what that is so that we can do this, so we can grow in this way. Let's pray. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward as we prepare for the offering. Join me as we pray to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. We thank you for the truth and the reality that indeed we have been baptized into one body. And it's not our body It's your body. It's the body of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And I praise you that through the Spirit we were immersed into that body. Through the Spirit we were empowered to live as a vital member of that body in community with one another, knitted together by your sovereign and good plan so that we might experience deep community, so that we might have caring and deep relationships for one another. We might hurt and feel pain when one of us is suffering or rejoice when one of us is doing well. 
And so that ultimately we might shine forth as that community, calling others who are not part of that community to come into that community, to find a new community and a new identity in Christ and His body. And I pray, Lord, for anyone who's here today that is not part of your body, who knows that they, this is not their community, this is not their identity. Lord, I pray that you would move in their heart even now to show them how powerful Christ is, how beautiful and precious He is and how precious His body is. That, that if we just put our faith in this one, Christ, we can, by His Spirit, be baptized, immersed into His body. And for those of us, Lord, who have minimized the church, who are so busy with other things, that church really isn't that important. We say we love you, Lord, but we really don't love you because we don't regard your body as important, as central in our lives. Lord, forgive us for that and help us to see Cornerstone, to see your body, your people as vital, as central. Lord, as we give our gifts, I pray that this, this money would go for the furtherance of this community, for the growing of your body, and that others might come into that community as well. We praise you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you even invited us into this kind of community. We thank you that it was through Christ that all of this took place, not because of anything we've done. We pray all this in his name. Amen.